This episode of RFK Refugees is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to ensure that there are future episodes and help this show grow, visit patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. That's patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Enjoy the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. RFK Refugees podcast. The, the sky is falling. The world around us is collapsing. Rome is burning. Things are not good in DC United World. But John, how was your weekend first? How you doing, man? It was good. good. I am thinking about trying to trade in my season tickets and then get XFL tickets for when they come next year. I'm thinking maybe focusing on that. Uh, Loudon won, so maybe I'm going to go full bore into only liking yeah. Loudon United. That's an option. And the kickers won. The kickers actually scored a legitimately nice goal this weekend. So I was like, you know, I was in the mood of like, oh, man, like the Capitals won game, you know, game five of their playoff series. They played tonight. So I might be in less uh, joyful spirits about that. You know, by the time you listen to this, uh, you know, and the kickers won, Loudon won. You know, I'm thinking, hey, man, it's going to be a good sports week. And Liverpool beat uh, Crystal, uh, Chris, uh, no one Crystal Palace. It was Cardiff. Beat Cardiff to regain uh, the top hold of the EPL. And I'm thinking, hey, man, good sports weekend. And then DCU decided to just, you know, crap all over the field, um, which is what I'm going to say that was. Uh, bad game, bad result for DC. DC United, of course, lost to New York uh, City FC. Uh, they are they are now winless. Yes, winless in three home games. Um, their kind of road wins are kind of booing things a little bit. Um, they're still first place in the East, but that's before uh, TFC gets their two games in hand. And uh, we go on the road to uh, Columbus uh, on Wednesday, where we haven't won since 2007. Thanks for Steven Streff for that little comment. So um, I I was kind of like coming out of this game, like, you know, oh, hey, you know, we got the games on the road. Hey, we've been playing pretty well on the road. And then Steven Streff just kind of drops that, and I'm like, well, uh, we're screwed. Um, yep. And then we also play again on Saturday. Yeah, at, on the road again at um, Allianz Field uh, from against Minnesota United, who are a better, a better side, who played uh, New York City FC better than we played them. Um, so yeah, everything's uh, everything's coming up sunshine and rainbows uh, right now in DC land. So that's not the case. It's coming up crap and uh, hellfire and all kinds of bad things. Um, uh, John, what do we? You know, again, I, I was I was very upset about this game. I was very upset after this game. I was in a bad mood after this game. I I'm trying not to be you know doom and gloom, fire Olsen, fire everybody, cut the whole team. You know, I'm, I'm trying not to be in that mood, but um, I mean, the the road, I, like the road winning as Colorado doesn't even seem to register with me anymore because they've just played these two awful games against teams. Uh, you know, LAFC is is on a roll right now, but I mean, NYCFC have been playing well. Are we? What 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 stage of panic are we in right now? Are we in uh, DefCon? What DefCon level of panic are we in right now? The community appears to be whatever the highest. I always get it confused if a lower number is worse or better. I, yeah. I'll never get it straight. So whatever the high one is, whatever the bad one is, that's where the community really is focused. Uh, we put out a call this morning for. I think the question was, are we screwed? Is this a momentary lull due to injuries, distracted playmakers, or what? And we'll read all of the rage and common sense on the show tonight. Uh, and then you guys gave us pretty much like an hour's worth of material uh, yeah. to work with. So once again, thank you. Yes. Uh, better better to hear your thoughts than ours generally. We, we at least think at least it's easier for us to just react. So we're gonna just react. Um, basically, we're gonna we're gonna read these comments. 
some of them will some of them will elicit response from Ted and I and other ones I just want to make sure that if you said something it gets heard by the by the podcast. So uh let's get started. At DCU underscore soccer said, I don't think we're screwed. This is again for the question, are we screwed? Uh, but we really haven't played well since Moore got injured. However, we need to we really need to be able to compete with one or two players out. Really frustrating to have dropped so many points at home already this season. Gotta get it together. So uh also um Roach tweeted during the game. He, th- he said, uh, this is a lukewarm tweet, but things haven't been good since Mora got hurt. <laughs> I was like, that's just sort of like stating a, a fact. It is, it is absolutely true. And the reason is, I think, uh, Paul Ariola is not a defender. He he plays one on TV occasionally. And I think it's it's even less so his lack of defensive ability, but it's what he take what his absence in the midfield does to the attack. Uh, if you watched him on 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 Sunday, the guy ran up and down the field the whole game. I always talk about it every 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 episode. The man is runs the entire time he's on the field. Uh, he is good for one or two or three creative moments a game. He'll turn something into nothing. He won a quarter kick out of absolutely nothing in the second half. Uh, he his his skill set is one that the team needs in the midfield, particularly when his spot is taken by Ulysses Segura, who for his many skill sets that he has. Uh, playmaking, beating people off the dribble uh, are not on the list of things that he does well uh, at all. So that that's just sort of, I think that's my feeling about that. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I think Segura has been shown to be a, a great guy off the bench, a guy who can kind of, you know, run at tired players and, and can make some things happen. But as far as a starter goes, um, I think we've kind of hit his ceiling. Um, I will say, uh, I think definitely in the Colorado game, um, I was kind of impressed with sort of some of his defensive abilities. Um, so I wouldn't mind sort of swapping that. And maybe that was kind of the plan because Segura was kind of playing um, on Areola's side uh, in the game. And uh, and maybe that's more of his more of maybe his strength to see if he can be sort of the defend- defensive player uh, with Ariola up top. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I think what we lost with Mora, Mora had an ability, both Mora and Hara have this ability where, you know, they can run at players and they're not afraid to run at players and that can throw defenses off balance. Um, and you, you're still getting that with Hara. In fact, some of DC's best chances, uh, came when Hara was uh, applying pressure or Hara was pushing the ball forward. Uh, the, the very few chances they got in that game came from Leonardo Hara, uh, who despite giving up the penalty, um, I thought was a, a good, a really good player, probably in my opinion, the best player out there on the field for DC. Um, and, and I state that unequivocally, I, I know he gave up the penalty, but the team wasn't punished for it. And I think it was almost a, a consequence of kind of him having to do so much on that side to sort of keep, uh, uh, keep New York at bay. He saved at least two or three plays that could have easily been goals. Uh, so he helped sort of keep DC in that game, um, but I think we all know Ariola's uh, with regards to Ariola, we all know he's best at going forward, and him going forward is what's is what this team needs. Um, so the team has some some questions to answer because uh, it looks like Joseph Mora's out till June. Uh, they were hoping to get him back a little early. Uh, that seemed kind of wishful thinking. Um, it's now looking like he's going to be out, uh, back through June, and uh, uh, I mean we we almost have to to sort of. Give a little bit of a of, of shtick to to Casper and Ben, because they essentially have three players now that are basically dead roster spots in 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 the wingback position. That's uh, Casper's fault. Though I, I would yeah, play okay, yes. position. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, it's Casper's fault. I mean, they signed O'Neill Fisher, which is which is fine. Uh, I mean, that's good. You uh, of course sign uh, uh, Chris Odiastum. 
Uh, which again, you know, it's it, these aren't you know it's not his fault, and I think they did right by him by saying, "Hey, we're still offering you a contract. Get better and come back." Um, and you know, it, it one injury should not be killing this team the way it is right now. Even and especially at that position, we lose a Costa Rooney. Absolutely, that should be killing us right now. But the fact that it's the wingback position that's what's killing us uh, that that's that's concerning for me. And I think the team needs to either find somebody with that international roster spot. Um, or you're holding out till the summer and hoping you can make a run. Um, and you don't have the slew of home games you had last season. You've already dropped two of them, too. All right, back to the Twitter. Uh, at NerdECU agrees, says, leave Ariola up top. Make every player earn starting spots again, especially in the attack. Um, at John WDC said, I don't know enough about strategy to be able to see this, but it sure seems like teams are starting to figure out strategies that neutralize whatever was working so well at the end of last season and the beginning of this season. Do you want to go on your tweet that you uh, made during the game? Um, yeah, just in the in the sense that the team, you know, again, this is something that's that seems to have been a problem for a while now. Team And really, teams have neutralized, very effectively neutralized, Wayne Rooney and Lucho Acosta being able to connect. Um, I, I, you do not see them making the passes and the con- type of connections that they made early on, uh, 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 late last season. Um, you, you would see last season, you saw very many times it was Acosta to Rooney for the goal or Rooney to Acosta for the goal. Um, and I don't think we've had that at all this season. Um, I guess the first goal against Atlanta was kind of a, it was a Rooney free kick or sorry, Rooney corner kick that landed on Acosta who fell to Areola for the goal. Uh, that's about as close as we've gotten, and that's been a large reason why this team, I think, uh, especially in the last few games, has struggled so much. Um, and uh, that's that's something that the team has to figure out. They either have to like get those two involved, um, come come up with a way to get the twos involved. Otherwise, we're relying on Rooney set pieces, uh, which Twelman pointed out in the game uh, were really the only time you really felt DC were dangerous was when they got a set piece. Uh, the rest of that, they were really were not dangerous at all. Uh, at David Sheon says, got to change the leadership. Need a coach whose definition of strategy goes beyond hustle harder. Uh, we're going to have a lot of coaching uh, comments. I'm going to, I think what our plan is to read all of them and then sort of talk about how we feel about them at the end. So stay tuned for our Olson out uh, uh, take, I guess. Um, at Big Daddy Church says, way, to, way too predictable and lethargic. There is no hustle and no creativity whatsoever. We all like to blame the defense, but you can't win if you don't score goals. That's true. I think also the mid, and this particularly in this most recent game, the midfield and the attack were uh, were disconnected throughout the entire game. They lost shape, and the ability the ability to string passes between those two components were not there. I think that's partially by design. Uh, when you talk about uh, creating space between Rooney and Acosta, that's what you're doing. You're 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 breaking up those bonds that enables passes. So you basically get. Uh, you basically get put into a situation where you have to run down the sides and cross the ball. Um, that is not necessarily our strong set. If you notice, if you watch these games, and uh, particularly if you're up as high as I am in 104, you see that uh, there aren't a lot of people making runs to the box on this team. Uh, that's not really the way that we're set up. We like to play on the ground. We like to we like to bring it into the box from the, from uh, from the middle of the field and not from the side. So. Um, yeah, I, there, there's a there's a there's a problem right now in the system. Uh, the players are aren't underperforming, but also the system uh, is not adapting to 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 overcome that underperformance. I think. And you know, and I, I, did you want to get to more? I mean, did you want to read more Ben Olsen comments before we get into that? Go they're ahead. not ordered in any way that I that I should have ordered them. There there are they just exist. They, they're sprinkled. You so know, if you want if you want to talk about it now, and then we'll just read through them. That's fine too. I I really do feel like. 
Ben Olsen is in a a no a no win situation in the sense that when the team is performing well, people are going to talk about wow what you know what a what a what a great game what a, what a great thing Wayne Rooney's been for DC Wayne Wayne Rooney's done everything for DC, and when they lose. No one throw. No one's going to talk about Wayne Rooney, you know, not performing well. No one's going to talk about, you know, Lucho. Though it seems like some people are starting to talk a little bit about that. Everybody's going to throw Ben Olsen under the bus, and um, I, I do not agree with the sentiment that he is simply saying he is his tactic is simply to run harder, to to work harder, and everything like that. Um, I really do think if you watch that game, the team shifted their formation. Uh, in the second half, uh, now you can make arguments as to whether it worked or not, um, but the team definitely was making adjustments in that game, tactical adjustments. Uh, so it exists. Now Olsen's not the type of guy to be the Greg Burhalter to show up on a show and break down, you know, tactical awareness. But I do think he has. I mean, you can't be a coach for several years and not pick up a little bit of tactical nuance. Um, I, I mean, I'll say since I've started this show, I've started to watch games and start to develop a little bit of kind of a sense of what uh, of what's going on. And I think the stigma about Ben Olsen, which I think you could argue definitely existed early in his career, is kind of carrying with him. And it, it happens when things go bad like this. Uh, nobody wants to talk about, you know, it, the player's not executing. Everybody wants to talk about how Olsen got it wrong. Um, now his substitution tactics are kind of another story. Um, but I, I, I really think he did, he did make adjustments in this game and try to prove the game. And, you know, DC was getting overrun kind of in those first, you know, five, 10 minutes. Um, and you could see they kind of made adjustments. They sort of switched up some of their halfbacks, um, and kind of started, you could see them trying to change sort of a way they were playing and it did get a little bit better. It did sort of improve a little bit, um, right up until the first goal, uh, really, for New York. So uh, I, I don't agree with the sentiment that he just tells people to hustle. I think that's sort of a, a player mentality he had and a sort of a stigma about him in his early days that he hasn't quite been able to shake yet. Um, fair or not? Yeah, I think uh, I think he hurts himself by not being not willing to talk in detail about tactics. Uh, he doesn't really see that as a thing that he should be doing um, because I think he thinks it's boring, for one. Uh, and then I think he just he doesn't he's not a generally open character with the media. So I think he's hurt by not explaining or, or, or voicing the things he does understand. So that's 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 the problem. Number one, I think that the try hard and kick it mentality was a was a function of uh, poor players that he had to deal with. Um, and I also think there's no such thing as a bad team with a good coach. People don't talk about that coach is a genius. He just has he just has bad players that aren't listening to him. Uh judging coaching in soccer is like judging coaching in any other in any other sport it, it it's almost impossible to spotlight the things that he's doing right and wrong because it's so much a function of how the players execute on it i think that there are valid concerns about his tactics there are valid concerns about his substitution pattern like we just said he is disinclined to make drastic changes in game earlier than later i've never seen him make subs at halftime unless there was an injury um i've never seen him make two subs at once he may have that 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 i don't recall him doing that that's a thing that you see a lot of when i in the other league i watch a lot is the epl when you see a jose Mourinho used to do it all the time when he was pissed if things were going bad and they were losing two nothing uh in the early second half he would make two subs he would even make three subs sometimes 
and it wasn't be out of tiredness. It would just, it would just be like, this has to change. You players are sucking. This is this is me doing the only thing I can do. You want to chime in? You have a <laughs> well. See, it, you bring up the substitution pattern. It seems like you know a lot of times he want he makes the move that everybody that that's a very obvious move to make, but he does it like ten to fifteen minutes later than when you would like him to do it. You can see something wrong. You can see the team's not functioning. Zoltan Stieber seems like a great option to bring in. And he brings him on maybe ten to fifteen minutes later than when you want him when you want him brought in, um, and uh, so I mean that that that's one definite criticism of him, easy criticism to make and a very valid criticism. Um, and John, you just lost my train of thought, so you know what? Hey, you, man, you, 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 I, pick, you pick it back up. You lost my sure. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do, we'll keep going. We'll keep going with these comments here. I think because they're all they they tend to follow a, a, a train of thought here at Brian radio edit says dump Lucho and Olson this summer early enough for the new manager to make adjustments. Hashtag full panic. Uh, we'll talk about Acosta also um, yeah. at will not be denied. Other teams have figured out how to defend Lucho and Ben has no ability to adapt tactics. I think we've touched on both of those uh, at Bobby raccoon says, to be honest, I think Olson is a distraction. He's a, his record as a coach speaks for itself. He has a reputation for having a lack of tactics and motivation towards his players. I watch all of his post-game conferences since he was an interim coach, and they all sound unsure and motivated, unmotivated. So I think those that that comment embodies a lot of what we just said. Um, uh, I think that the reputation part is is over overwhelming the reality and overwhelming now and over overwhelming the last two years when he's had players at his disposal, and I think also his post-game conferences the way he talks to the media, he has a different voice with the media than he does with people in person. Uh, when he's relaxed, he sp- speaks haltingly. He speaks in some sort of like a weird tone and like has a lot of like stop and uh, stop and starts. It's I, you can tell that his, that's not his most uh, comfortable format is that sort of I'm, I'm portraying a team. I'm conveying meaning other than just what I think I have to speak in a political way. Um, he's not at ease at it. I think that that is something, if he were on a bigger stage, he would have to be a lot better at it than he is. Luckily, he's where he is. The attention level in D.C. is what it is. Um, in a larger market, they might have eaten him up already for that. But, I, I you know, it's, and, it's tough. And again, my, you know, I, I feel like we jump on the idea of let's, let's get rid of the coach. We need to get rid of him in the summer. Do it in the summer. And then I'm like, okay, well, then who do you hire? Who's out there? Who, who would you hire right now? Would you hire Bruce Arena? Would you would you coax him out of retirement? I mean, there there are options out there, and I guarantee you some of the options people aren't going to like. Yeah, um, we're, not, we're not getting Pep Guardiola coming to coach this team. Like this is not happening. I think if it's that bad in the summer, you have to treat the year as a lost year. As yeah. far as making a coaching change, there's no reason to do it. If if you're at the point where you're thinking he has to be fired in the summer because that's what's going to turn this team around, uh, I I have high doubts that a, a new coach will come in institute his new system, teach all of his players his new system mid-season, and then course correct to get the team to the playoffs. And the hilarious thing, if you look at the Eastern Conference standings, like what, like the, right. the benefit, the, the good thing that happened this weekend was DC played a bad game and they lost to a team that was way down the standings and pretty much everybody below them, uh, minus Toronto, also played really badly and lost. Um, I mean, the East is is kind of a mess right now, and so DC is still very much in play for that top spot because there are a lot of bad teams out there. Atlanta doesn't look like they're even close to getting it together. New York's talking about hiring Terry Henry. They're they're kind of I think facing a lost season. 
Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of flawed teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, this isn't like the West where there's four or five really good teams, and then the rest are kind of uh, average. Everybody's kind of uh, average to maybe good uh, in the East. So people talking about how bad things are right now, and then you look at the standings, and you kind of get this kind of wait a minute, like we're still in first and still very much. Uh, very much alive. Um, so, I mean, DC still has the good part about this is we're not in August, we're not in September, we're in April. There's still time for this team to turn to turn things around. The team that's in first place to turn things around. Yes, <laughs> that is where we're at. And and I do want to make I do want to make clear that Ted and I are not being out and out Ben Olsen apologists. I mm-hmm. think that the criticism he gets isn't coming from the right place uh, necessarily all the time. I think a lot of it is uh, pe- people have a perception of how he is and perception of how the team is that doesn't that has not changed to reflect current realities now if they don't make the playoffs this year he's out yeah i think that he's gonna have a year i don't i don't want him back next year if they don't make the playoffs. especially when you have a window a small window like rooney's you got to make a change immediately um and and that's that's the reality the team is facing right now especially because last year it was kind of okay they're going to be young and they're going to build and it's going to be kind of a building project once you make that signing for wayne rooney uh that window suddenly shortens to like two years um, I say they got this year and maybe next year with Wayne Rooney before we start to see some regression. And, you know, maybe we are starting to see a little bit of regression. Um, certainly his set pieces are still amazing for Wayne Rooney, but uh, even he has not been as effective um, as he was, especially in the middle part of last year. And and also this injury rash really has Dave Casper looking like a jerk to not have filled all of the roster spots. And it has him feeling like a jerk for not maybe stashing some tweener guys signing maybe a little bit better class of usl player Uh, right now aside from our rookies who we're bringing up because we need to make numbers and there are a few that actually have the talent i think the usl lifer guys down there are not options in any way uh Due is not coming in to to fill the left back spot if you sign someone that has a little bit more upside perhaps um that's that's your depth chart gets a little bit longer when you can stretch beyond your just uh, MLS roster and can go down, but as it's currently constituted, we can't. So we've seen that a rat, you know, you never expect two to three injuries in the same position, but it can happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And having those empty spots is, is really just looking horrible right now. Yeah, just it is really not good. Yeah. Um, do you want to go for, how are we for break? What do we have for time? Uh, we have eight, eight more minutes. All right. So let's keep it rocking. Uh, at this is a question more than a comment. This is for both of us. At Atonal Tensor, Rooney looked less motivated than usual yesterday. Maybe he wants younger players to step up. Question mark. Uh, and two, he said, "I'm losing faith in Ben Olsen. Ariola should have been up front. How hands on is he with tactics?" He said in an ESPN 12 minute interview, he likes delegating. So we'll take number two first. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit already. Uh, Ariola, I think that I think that was just a force of, for lack of options. Uh, Akeem Ward is not ready to go. Um, despite his very nice assist uh, in Loudon, I think that he's he's not a 90-minute starting choice. Uh, and as the game progressed, uh, you saw Ariola move up a little bit further up than he was to start the game. Um, but with tactics, it, he has said in in interviews in the past that he leans on his assistant coaches. Uh, this year, he's talked about leaning on Chad Ashton uh, for set piece uh, things. He used to lean on Amos McGee. Uh, for some tactical work, they've got a tech, they've got a director of tactical something or other who's now actually in talks to become the uh, new Dane Murphy, uh, whatever his position was. Uh, but they, they've, they've hired, they've put staff around Ben for when he was a younger coach and admitted that he didn't have that, those those tools in his toolbox. 
I don't think that just because they're still around means he doesn't. I think that he is a guy that wants consensus and wants to hear as many voices as possible. And but because Ben doesn't communicate that very well, uh, there's a vacuum there that gets filled with people's thoughts. Yeah, and, and again, that's not a bad thing to have as a team, is to have a group of people who are willing to you know work. It's, it's sort of a mark of a of a good leader. And, you know, one thing, one of Ben Olsen's biggest strengths is the ability to hold a locker room together. He's had to do that time and time again. And that, that's a, that's a quality. I think everybody wants sort of the, the tactical genius to sort of be, that's what they want as their coach. The guy who can, who can make the move and, you know, like they're in football manager and, and win the game. Um, but a large part actually of the job is trying to hold a locker room together when you go through situations like this, uh, because you can be the best tactical genius in the world, but if you're if you're not a person who can sort of hold players together and keep them motivated, uh, you're going to lose a whole bunch of games. And you're going to look really silly doing it. Um, so I think that is that is an underrated quality that gets kind of glossed over with Ben Olsen because that's something he's had from day one. Um, so again, yes, his tactical deficiencies are his deficiencies maybe sometimes in the decisions that he makes um, are maybe still there. They're not as prevalent as they used to be. I think he still plays a role. Like you said, he just doesn't express it. Maybe he's not going on extra time radio or, you know, or a, or a podcast and breaking it down on a big screen, what he's trying to do. That's not happening with Ben Olsen. And it doesn't need to happen. Honestly, I'd rather him go out there, coach his game and, 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 uh, and, and win some, win soccer games. So much of it is branding and posturing. I think that some, some coaches can peacock and talk about formations in a way that makes people go, that guy gets it. Like that guy's a genius. And if the team doesn't do well, he's not a genius anymore. Um, but nothing else has changed. I mean, the, he, he has his ideas. He has his, his, his football philosophies. And when the team performs poorly, fans are ready to call him an idiot. And he didn't know what he was talking about to begin with. So I think there are some, there are some things that are all about media, all about the way that a person can sell themselves. Just like at your work, there are people that can't do their job, but that can that can uh, you know sell sell the, sell what they're doing well, and they they excel <laughs> and they yeah. do well. They get caught out eventually, which what happens to coaches. But you can you can skate by on on the way you brand yourself too. Absolutely, and and um, you know I I I do think you know again it, I think it is a little bit of branding. I think it's a little bit of, of posturing, um, and I think it. It also comes a lot from the outside media. Um, people were talking about Greg Berhalter's tactical genius, so to speak, in the media a lot. Uh, no one's really talking about that with with Ben Olsen. Um, there are a lot of coaches that get you know articles written about their their soccer philosophies and things like that, and you don't really see that about Ben Olsen. Uh, probably because he probably he only really trusts Pablo Maurer uh, to write his to write his opinion pieces, and I don't think you'll you'll ever see. And he kind of he kind of he's made it very clear he does not like. Uh, sort of the media and everything like that. So, um, got any other? Uh, Twitter, uh, oh, just so many, just yeah. so so many. <laughs> um, speaking of football manager at DC United Kingdom, who hosts a podcast uh, for DC United fans in the UK. Uh, currently, I feel like Olsen needs a bit of a session on football manager so he can see other tactics are available. We lack pace and creativity right now, and need something. I like it when we went three four three, but I'd have TT Rooney and Ariola as the top three. Uh, yep, I think that we do lack pace um, in some spots of the field, and the fact that we don't want to sub Rooney off at any point to uh, put a little pace in there or have more options for pace, that will that will do that. <laughs> that yeah. will that will make that happen. Um, at Jeffrey Cook says, when the team isn't getting the most out of its talent, that falls on the coach. Also, the Lucho Rooney connection has just entirely disappeared. 
Uh, Jeff, I think you're right over the long term. I think if this team gets healthy and doesn't turn it around and stays in a funk, yeah, that's on the coach. I think that the injuries that have occurred now uh, cast a bit of, I don't want to say, it's not necessarily a, a blank check excuse, uh, but it is certainly it's something you've got to take into account. That, uh, And, you know, I don't think it's revisionist for us to say that uh, Mora has impacted this team. We've been, talk- we've been talking about him all year long. Yeah. Uh, he puts up consistently ex- excellent or at least the bare, bare level, like seven performances uh, on a regular basis. So the fact that he's not there and now the fact that Knauss is out for a couple games, uh, despite the fact that he had a dip in form, I still think that's the best team. DC United's best team has him on the field, and that's sort of where yeah. we're at right now. And do we do we want to? I mean, I guess it's hard to to because Durkin played well against Colorado. I don't. I mean, I don't. I can't remember. I can't really say he was awful against New York City FC. Um, it's just everybody was kind of bad, so it's kind of hard to. Sure, to, I think he had a he had a, a bit he had a bit involved in the first goal being his fault. I think I think he I think he fell asleep a little bit there at the switch uh, and didn't and didn't track his runner, um, but. I would say that he played well against a very poor team in Colorado that wasn't playing very well. And then I think he played average against New York City, who I think is better than their record. I think they're better than Columbus or sorry, I'm better than Colorado. uh, And I don't think they'll finish where they're at in the table at the end of the season. Uh, But I think that that was what people talked about is that against uh, there are certain there are certain game plans and certain physicalities that may throw him off his game. And he didn't look his best, I think, in this game. He was fine, but uh, he's going to be playing the next two games, so he's going to have another chance to... Yeah. He's <laughs> going to have another couple of opportunities, yep. uh, certainly, uh, again, in this game. Do we want to get to one more? You got one more comment for us? Yep, one more. Uh, this is another Ariola post at CMatthews41. I think the drop-off from Ariola as an outside mid to Segura is huge. We need Ariola going forward. Maybe Ward at left-back is the answer. He's unlikely to kill us back there, but he could help I also like the change to a 3-4-3 with Hara as third center back. Need Ariola forward. Uh, yep, I agree with you about Paul. I think Ward is not the answer left back. Uh, I think he's better going forward than he is in defense. Uh, he he has made a couple he has made a couple uh, last ditch uh, sliding tackles with Loudon that have been impressive and also have made me very nervous. Uh, but I I am I am I'm up on him long term. I think I want to see him get 15 to 20 starts in Loudon uh, this year and then see him next year. Yeah, I mean I don't mind uh, like I don't mind trying to implement the sort of the three five two that they looked at with having Pines uh, as sort of your center back with Brilliant and Birnbaum. Um, I think the team shows that they they do trust Pines to get minutes, which is not something that. Uh, not something that you know Olsen has shown akin to um, is to trusting sort of his younger players. Um, I you know I I think that would be something to look at more than maybe with the Akimor because if you're gonna play a three five two you need three center backs. Uh, you yep. don't you don't try to take a wing back and honestly uh, Hara as a wing back option would actually would actually be interesting too because uh, he can sort of drop back and provide that cover. So um, I I don't mind a three the three five two they talked about it. Um, it's something they're trying to implement, and they went to it actually a little bit in the uh, in the game against uh, New York, and uh, I think it had kind of mixed results. Uh, I think there were some good things it did, um, and some not so great things. Mostly not so great, but you know, Ara has the body for it being a center back. Yeah, uh, and, he's and he has he has the ball skills. I think on his feet better than most center backs, but I don't prefer him there. Well, I think, that we I, I think you miss his if you're going to play him in that three five two as another center back, you are completely taking out his ability to go forward. Right. The part that he's been, really good at. Yeah, the part. <laughs> that he is exceptional at and the part that he's amazing at um yep. so all right uh, i think
think we're going to take a quick break, y'all. But when we come back, we got more of your comments. Uh, we're going to talk Columbus. We still haven't really gotten into Acosta. Uh, we kind of touched touched on his on Dylan's side a little bit. And boy, we're going to get into that one. So stick around. You're listening to the RFK Refugees podcast. Welcome back to the RFK Refugees podcast. Uh, John, let's just jump right into it. Let's jump into the, the uh, five foot nine elephant in the room the uh uh probably the most polar one of the turning into a very polarizing player for dc uh luciano acosta uh so i i want to so if you weren't watching on the broadcast um uh sebi salazar let it slip that uh basically manchester united and leon uh the french team leon were in the building scouting uh dc i think we heard manchester united was actually scouting uh lucho uh, the previous uh, the previous uh, game as well against LAFC. Um, so if you're watching those games as a scout, uh, are you still interested in Luciano Acosta? It would be the next. I mean, you would hope you would hope that they do a little bit more research, and you know, you would hope scouts are, are good enough to know that hey, the team as a whole didn't play well. Um, I thought it was very interesting that I think Segura was getting in the face of like an opposing player at one point, and you see Acosta actually come over. And like get in between them and try to separate them, which is something I've never seen Acosta nope. do. Usually Acosta's on the other end, um, so I think that is having maybe a little bit of effect. If he's like, okay, if, if things are going to go well in this game, I'm at least going to show an ability to be a little bit of a leader, and maybe that will uh, kind of make up. Um, but uh, Acosta, Acosta's been bad, bad. And I know you. I talk, and I'm going to take credit for this, John. I talked about this early in the season, earlier in the season, about how I am. Acosta has not played well. He has not looked well. And you said, I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about him. Uh, Mr. John Hoffman, are you worried about Luciano Acosta right now? I'm not. Wow. I'm You're not, not worried about him. I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's mindset. I think, that if, I think that if they can come to an agreement on terms for his new contract right now and tell them that we're going to sell you in the summer or we're going to sell you at the end of the year, I think we'll get a better player. I think his head has been turned. I think that his, his 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 head is not in the game at the moment, and people can get mad at him about that. And I understand people getting mad at him about that. I think it's extremely human for a player who has not been the subject of this sort of attention from these sort of teams ever in his life before to have it affect his game. Um, that was always going to be the question about a player like him. Uh, and when I say that, I mean a guy that plays with his heart on his sleeve, who has a lot of emotion. What it'll be like when those emotions start to 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 get at him. And we all talked about how professionally he took the failure of the, of the transfer, but it looks like to me uh, that that is that's playing on him here a little bit. Uh, it's very up and down. He he ran like fifty yards and tackled the player who wasn't looking, got the ball uh, in the middle of the game last yes I, on Sunday. I did see that, and that was actually very impressive. And and so I, it's up and down. Like yeah. it's not it's not he can't keep a level. He just he he's it's that's a mentality issue to have to be able to not keep a level throughout the game and get down and just sort of give up. You know, people are mad about it, and you'll hear on the comments how mad people are about that sort of sulking on the field. But I think I get it, and I understand. If they can't make him happy, though, if they can't figure out a way to make him happy before the summer, then we're hosed. That yeah. was a gamble. The gamble when you didn't sell him was, what's he going to be like if we don't sell him? And so far, the answer looks like not not great, Bob. Yeah. Uh, and I think the uh, one other thing interesting thing was Sebi Salazar dropped the team is, is now apparently engaging in talks. Uh, and he says talks are progressing, which... 
made me feel a little hopeful, though. Of course, you know, I, I could say talks between me and a date with Beyonce are progressing as well. And it could be just as true as the as the talks that uh, that uh, that DC United is referring to. Um, so, and I mean, we, we until a contract is signed, that is going to be the story week after week. And we talked about it before. Uh, I'm I'm worried, I guess, about a cost. I'm worried that teams have figured it out. And it's not as easy. And I think really Rooney and Acosta need to get together and they need to sort of figure it out. You know, what, how can we be more effective as a team? Um, Go drink some Monte. Yeah. <laughs> do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. Uh, uh, Kyle Pollock agrees with you. I think, I think exactly. He said, uh, at give me my foot. He said, failure to sell him to PSG is looking mighty stupid right now. They knew his moody personality. They knew he was inconsistent, but they got greedy. We could have been shopping around those Lucho bucks for months at this point. Instead, we have a distracted key player at a key time. Not good. I don't care if we would have only received six or seven million dollars. We're now stuck with the ineffective, angry little man and no money to replace what he was last year. I hate being right. So he partially agrees. I think he I think he said it a little differently. But Again, and, and even despite all this, I everybody's like, well, they should have sold him. They should have sold him. They should have sold him. I'm like, yeah, but you're not. You don't you don't know the books. You don't know what's on the books. You don't even know you weren't even in that room. We are operating on rumors and speculation that have uh, that have gone different places and, and been back and forth. And people are saying different things about the reason the transfer didn't happen. Someone's the middleman. Someone's the cost. Someone's this 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 this. And I I get I get personally a little bit upset that a team makes a decision that is in their best interest. And they are Kareem, and they are sort of Monday morning quarterbacked for it, and say, "Oh, it's an awful decision, awful decision, awful decision." They should have done it. They should have done it. Where if he was playing great, they would have said, "Wow, what a great decision." Um, I, you know, again, that's sports, man. <laughs> yeah, I know that's sports, and I get it. But I feel like people, I get, I feel like DC made. I still feel like if DC had to do it again, they would make probably make the same decision. Um, especially if talks are proceeding. I think that was the one good thing that got came out of that story. And if that's true and if talks are proceeding and they managed to lock him down to a contract, uh, then, you know, it's going that, that it'll seem like a genius move by the team. Mm-hmm. Truth be told, if they can get that contract locked down, everybody's saying, Oh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, but so far we haven't heard anything talks broken down. DC, you know, Lucho signing pre-contract in the summer. Um, we have not heard any of that yet. So until we and if start- you think he's checked out now, if you think he's checked out now, wait till he signs a pre-contract and has to play for this team for a half a year. Uh, I mean, honestly, Sweet Jesus. I, I mean, honestly, maybe I'm trying to look at the, the 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 glass half full part of that. At least then that part is over, and then he. I mean, you still want to compete. You don't want to just sit on the sideline and sulk. And if the team's fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, he's going to be out there, and he's going to want to. You're definitely going to want to play. Uh, you're not going to want to sulk because then you're going in in bad form, and and you kind of burn bridges with your other team. So but you don't want to get hurt either. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, very fair. Um, so I, an example from that: uh, Callum Hudson Odoi just now tore his Achilles tendon for Chelsea playing against Burnley, and there was a big question of whether he was going to go this summer. He was being looked at by Bayern Munich and other teams, uh, and now he's out until the middle of next year. So. There is a gamble to be to be played when you're not in contract. I think that's another reason that Acosta might be looking to sign this contract now is that it's good insurance in case he gets hurt and then no teams want to come in for him. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll keep we'll keep it moving here. Uh, at Son of Gray says, doesn't hurt that we've gotten help from the rest of the East. Red Bulls in Atlanta laying eggs and the rest of us are leaving it wide open. 
Uh, not hitting the panic button quite yet. Would like to go ahead and sell off Acosta for some pieces if he is already gone. I think that's uh, the first measured response we've gotten here on the Twitter. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nathan Maurer at N.A. Maurer says, I love Football Manager, but to suggest that a professional coach with professional level badges doesn't understand systems is a little off. I've seen Olsen play a 4-4-2, a 4-4-1-1, a 4-2-3-1, and a 3-4-3, and those are just the systems I was sober enough to remember. And let me just say, formations are not necessarily a system. This DC is maybe altering some things about how they play, but they still play very similarly. There's still there's still a a system, and so the notion I, I'm going to have to go at that whoever this is. The notion that a a system is a formation is is ludicrous, and it's absolutely ludicrous. Uh, a, a formation is part of a system, but you can change your formation and still play a similar style and. Uh, you're, you're seeing DC trying to give the team a different look by changing their formation. They're not completely changing their style about how they play. They're still doing very similar things. Yeah, and I don't know how many teams have entirely different styles that they can wheel out, maybe one it, or two. It, in a way, formations are kind of dying. Formations are, are not rigid. A lot, of, a lot of teams are moving more towards you have a responsibility and a role. Here's kind of how we're going to set up, but we're going to be flexible with how we do it. Uh, so, you know, I, the, the, the notion that you set a rigid system and do not deviate from it at all is, is not something that, uh, you see a lot today in, in, in the modern game of soccer. All right, moving on. Also, Nathan says more is an underrated part of this team and him being out injured has hurt us beyond that. Opponents have keyed into the fact that Rooney is our offensive engine. Lucho needs Rooney to be productive and NYCFC did a good job pocketing Rooney and we've had zero offense as a result. Yep. Except on Agreed. set pieces. We've been good uh, on yep. set pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that looked like the best chance to yeah. score on the weekend. Um, at Brian Radio Edit said, nope, never mind. That was about something else. Uh, at J Ray VT83 says, fans are getting restless with Ben. What are your thoughts on his ability to manage this team beyond simply making the playoffs? 2013 shows it can be done. And let's be honest, that wasn't a particularly special team. That's a good point. I think that um, he got beat in the playoffs, I think by a player uh, by a coach that had our number i think um tactically uh and and, and for some of, reason other teams hadn't yeah burhalter burhalter laid, laid the group give burhalter credit he laid the blueprint i yep. think that a lot of teams, a national team coach for a reason he doesn't suck yeah yeah and i think a lot of teams have sort of keyed in on that sort of strategy and it is up to ben to figure this out um and i think to answer his second question we're going to learn that this year. I think this is where we learn it. Um, I'm I'm not opposed to going a different direction if this team makes the playoffs and loses in the first round. Um, I'm not opposed to that decision. Uh, yeah. I, I think this is a big year for Ben Olsen if he wants to stay on as coach of this team. At SMC Ultra says, uh, we're not screwed, but I am concerned about how many players disappeared in the last two games. Olsen needs to find a way for Rooney to get the ball more, too isolated up top. Uh, you'll notice that he moved Rooney into the midfield uh, when Ameriqua came on. He did not play with two strikers. Rooney, I would say, for the first 60 minutes was in his normal position. I think after that, he was drifting a lot more back to get the ball. A couple times, he did the classic, had the ball uh, in line with our right back, which happens sometimes, which is funny to me. Uh, so I, I think that they understand that. Rooney understands that. He made a comment to that effect, basically saying, Lucho and I didn't have the ball enough. We've got to change whatever it takes to, to change that around, we we're going to have to do. I don't think Rooney will be quiet about if, there, if he thinks that there's a problem in tactics or systems, he's going to make it known either to Ben or to the media. 
Um, so keep keep uh, keep a listen for that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> as that as that continues. Watch the next game and see kind of maybe what what DC changes. Um, yep. So. Uh, Trey said, are mistakes in the back line a result of poor individual performances or are we just feeling the effects of Canals to the Destroyer's absence and therefore having to pick up more slack than we're typically used to? Uh, Trey and I actually talked about this uh, at the game and it is a matter of, I think, uh, you know, both outside backs are having to put out more fires than they may have previously uh, with Canals in his pomp uh, a few games ago before he got injured. I, I think that Hara was making a whole bunch of runs up and down the field to, to generally great effect. Uh, but I think the cover wasn't always there. I think he had to do a lot more running than maybe he wanted to. I think that also he makes a lot of passes. So he all, I've never seen a right back dribble so much uh, and, and take players on and get past them. He's stronger than most players that mm-hmm. go against him, which is funny. He's to good see. at it too. He can, he he's can very get, good at yeah. it. Uh, but I think that he, I think he, because he knows that he's good at that, I think that he is sometimes a little bit slow to move the ball on because he thinks that he's going to get past almost everybody. He gets past almost everybody, but both he and Acosta on a number of occasions uh, last game, you know, held on the ball just a second too long uh, a couple mm-hmm. times. And also uh, he makes a lot of passes about where he thinks players should be, um, which is a thing you want. Generally, you want a player with vision. But uh, for instance, Segura did not was not they were not on the same page. Uh, at many points in this game and passes that were just put into touch because Segura wasn't making the run that Hara thought he was going to make. And that's, you know, they haven't probably played in that configuration once this year or maybe more than a little bit. So that's something there. But I I would say overall, yes, Canals' absence uh, and the type of player that he is not being there and not being at his best when he was there, I think is causing some change in the back line. Absolutely. I would, I would, uh, I would agree with that sentiment. Um, And also I think, you know, the reason he gave up the penalty I think in that game, especially because he was he was moving up back and forth, making you know defensive stops. Uh, he made one great play on on uh, on. Um, I can't remember who it was for NYCFC, uh, but literally he got there just in time, right as uh, Morales, I think it was uh, Maxi Morales, was about to kick the ball and made a great defensive stop. Um, and those were just great plays. And then he, I think he was tired heading into halftime. And he just thinks, I'm just going to nudge this guy a little bit and kind of get him off balance. And the guy says, well, thank you for nudging me. Now I'm going to go down and you're going to get a penalty. Um, fortunately, for whatever reason, maybe it's like a karma thing with a defender playing well. And then he gives up a penalty. And then um, Morales uh, bings it off the post. Uh, DC very fortunate not to go down 2 nothing in that game. Um, again, another penalty you kind of forget about because the rest of the game was just uh, so bad for the team. Um, so, uh, any other Twitter related? Uh... Dude, yes, so much, so, so much. much never stops. Uh, at tweet, Colin tweet says we're a team with an excellent plan A and absolutely no plan B, and until that changes, we're doomed to a first round exit. If you can stop Rooney, the only striker we can bring on has never scored ten league goals in a season. Um, yeah, the second I mean... part is. On, uh, unavoidably true. Yeah, and I think that the problem is that uh, we don't have the. De- I don't know if we don't have the depth for a plan B. I think a, a plan B could be created with the current pieces, um, but if you look at right now who's coming off the bench from a difference maker perspective, you got Zoltan who could and actually did play pretty well in his appearance, but uh, you don't see a lot of like game breakers that are that are depth players on DC United. It's it, it's difficult because you know I I've been waiting for years for this team to have the ability I, like I, I will never forget that Seattle game where they were up three nothing and Brian Schmetzer made two changes and suddenly the whole game flipped on its head um, and I think that continues to be a problem for DC and that's and again that's on Casper 
there are not enough guys on this field. There's not a guy you could see bringing in um, that could make a difference, change your look a little bit. They actually had that a little bit in Darren Maddox uh, towards the end or part of the year. He was able to come in and he he changed the whole shape of that team and made, and made a difference in how that team played. Uh, but DC doesn't have that right now, and that's uh, that's frustrating because uh, I feel like every time we get on the bench, you know, 52nd minute, I'm thinking, well, who could DC bring in? They go, they could bring in Zoltan. He would make a difference. He would sort of change the complexion of the game a little bit and maybe add a little bit of an improvement. Um, and then past that, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Griffin Yao, maybe give him a run. Why not? He's 16. I mean, it, Quincy Ameriquois. Uh, I mean, it's still, to Griffin for making his debut. Yes, uh, yeah, the, the one one of the good things that happened. Um, but that's a huge, huge issue because you know, in this stage in MLS, used to be you could get away with eleven top eleven guys and then kind of scrubs on the on the other half of the roster. Uh, now you need to uh, find a diamond, a guy who can who can sort of change your game and change your complexion. And I don't think we have that right now. Um, and that that's something I think that Casper needs to solve in the summer. Uh, if it's yep. not going to be by May, by July, that, that whole thing needs to be solved. At Tim Flesh says, he actually said a bunch of things, but the questions he had were, what what is our need in the market in the summer, and do you think we'll be okay as a team? Um, so we talked about the lack of depth. We talked about the fact that there are open roster spots. Um, Including so, an international roster spot, which they acquired. Correct. Uh, for and a the, lot cheaper than a lot of other teams were getting them for. So True. And the conversation at the time was that we are going to see where we're at in the summer and make moves as needed. So I don't think they anticipated being this short so quickly, uh, but they are they are here. Uh, it is happening. Uh, they are short now. Uh, I think we need another center back, potentially. Um, that's probably at the bottom of my list, to be honest with you. I'd like another goal scorer that's proven in MLS. Mm-hmm. I would like another uh, a left back uh, that has starting. Uh, Chris McCann, it's, been, it's early, right? And he hasn't played a lot. I was not impressed with what I saw out of him in this short time. I'd like to see what he brings when he's healthy, which is almost now he's already in full training again, and I think we'll see him soon, probably this week. Um, so if he plays well, then I don't think it's as big of an urgent need. But if he plays like he has, I'd like to see another left back. Um, and I think that you find out what you're doing with Zoltan. Uh, if Zoltan doesn't fit what Ben wants out of that position, then you got to move him. He's a luxury fit, 600000 He does what he does. And I think he he's does it pretty well. He's a million, by the way. It's one million the first year, six hundred thousand the second oh, okay. year. Okay, all right, I missed that part. Um, so, I mean, he. There were times where he just stood by guys on defense, and his little bit of time, I was like, "That's why he doesn't play you, Zoltan. You got to stick a foot in there. You got to move." Uh, but yeah. when he has the ball on offense, he's dynamic. He likes playing offense. He doesn't like playing defense. I get it. It's more fun to play offense. But however, that's not, that's not something you can do for Ben Olsen. That's just not the way he plays. So. Find out what you're going to do with him. Replace him with a player that fits the system. Uh, so striker, midfield, outside midfield, depending on what Zoltan's going to do, and another left back. That's where I see us needing to move, make moves. It, in all in all honesty, I, I don't I don't want them using the wingback position because in theory you're getting back Orneal Fisher. Um, who nope. He said they, they said he's had a he's had a complication and it's likely not to play this year. Oh wow. Okay. Wow, I missed that. And then you got Chris Odoyatsum, who has returning from cancer, who even when he was pre-cancers had played maybe 30, 40 minutes all season. Still, still, I would I would just like to see this team show a little bit. I would like to see this team figure out a little bit more of an offensive. It's kind of crazy to think about because this was not a concern going into the season. I would much rather them score 
be able to put the ball in the back of the net. And yeah, if we give up a few goals, okay, we can survive. But if if we're going into this game thinking we need to shore up defense and we need to be defensively strong, uh, then I think we're in we're in for a long uh, a, a long season, especially when we can't, especially when we're struggling so much as we are now to sort of generate offense um, against against you know teams that have the means. Uh, to compete like LAFC and like NYCFC, who while NYFC have had, are having a bad season, they certainly have the money and the means to to compete, um, and that's what we've seen so far. The team not play well against teams that that can spend and are willing to spend and willing to make that effort. Um, so I I almost don't want them to to look anything defensively. Let's just let's play patchwork defense, but let's be offensively dynamic and let's score goals and let's win games. You know, three two four three. You know, maybe we we drop some too, but we cannot be shut out two games at home. That cannot happen. Uh, if we had lost the game six three or we lost the game three two, I'd be feeling at least a little bit more better than I am right now. So that that's my that's my thoughts and my philosophy on that. I would and I asked for this during the game, and unfortunately, none of you guys did this labor for free for me. Like I asked, I wanted to know how many goals DC had scored historically against five man five man backlines, because every time I've seen it, it has completely stifled DC United. So I'll, I'll give that another chance for people to do that. Uh, we've got two more Twitter questions before we get to the Reddit questions. At uh, <laughs> Atonal Tensor says, just rewatch the game. Uh, Har was amazing all game, incredible defending and through balls. I agree. At yeah. um, Giving My Footy says, has the value of Lucho gone down since January? He has failed in his attempts to showcase himself in 1v1 situations more times than I can count. It seems like he has lost his spark this season. His hands are in the air more often than not. Has his value gone down since January? Uh, probably. January value is based on need, particularly with PSG. Uh, for whatever you can say about the intermediaries, he was needed to fix a shortcoming and a gap. You have these people sniffing around him now. That is likely because of two things. One, the fact that PSG was linked to him, and teams are nothing if not followers. And, and also Miguel Amarone's performance in Newcastle before he got hurt. Um, seeing that MLS players could potentially be value for dollar, particularly because you're talking about even at the high end, seven to ten million dollars, which is like a, a prospect player for for most European teams of size. Yeah. So that's what that's about. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 certainly a market that's being opened up, and especially now that MLS teams are more willing to make that. Um, and we're seeing changes. You know, did, MLS dropped lat, you know a couple of days ago that the team that MLS academy teams are MLS is going to start seeking training compensation. Um, which is crazy. Uh, I'm not sure how DC would fit in there, what requirements are. MLS kind of dropped this. I think this was a, uh, it seemed this smells of a uh, a bargaining chip uh, for the uh, upcoming uh, CBA negotiations, which will take place at the end of the season. But um, uh, but certainly a, a drastic shift uh, in kind of, and now that the markets are opening up a little bit, uh, Acosta is not going to be the last player to be scouted. You're going to start hearing more and more guys uh, getting scouted, guys like Chris Durkin, uh, who actually I think teams would come away with a better opinion of him. Uh, scouts would come away with a better opinion of him than Lucho Acosta uh, the past few games. So I think Ariola is the next one to get scouted. Yeah, I, I would say so. Here. I would say so. All right, this is this is the speed round. I can't. I, you guys came up with some <laughs> really good stuff on Reddit. This is going to be a long episode. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, at Alec, and uh, if you're still listening to this point, to see if uh, this is all my master plan. If I said that I would read everything that someone sent in, that you'll keep listening till I read your thing. Uh, so if I haven't gotten to you yet, <laughs> just keep sticking around. Um, Alec W81 uh, on Reddit says, uh, number one, it's the injuries. Moore was a vital cog, and while while Ariel is competent in defense, he's better going forward. 
to Acosta as being a petulant T-word. Uh, I, he wrote it, I'm not saying it. At the point, I don't care if he leaves in a free so long as he's replaced by someone that gives 100% for 90 minutes. Three, this was a trap game, especially given our injuries, Acosta's lack of consistency. New York City were bound to start winning sooner rather than later. I actually said that on our Facebook post prior to the game. I was proud of myself for recognizing the trap. <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually, when, when I saw all these teams like, you know, Portland gets their first win, uh, you know, I was thinking, oh boy, I think I think this game's starting to smell. I'm starting to get like a trap feeling with this because a bunch of other teams are losing. And this, I'm like, wow, this is a great opportunity for DC to capitalize, but now I'm scared they're going to lose. Um, and look what happened. Yeah, uh, I, having lost thirty-five dollars in LAFC against Vancouver, I'm uh, I'm very I was very much attuned to the trap game this week after that. Um, four, the issue is a lack of quality depth. That's on that's on ownership and Dave Casper. Yep. Uh, the Olsen out idiots are going to look even more idiotic than they currently do if when Ben is axed for a big name coach and the results don't drastically improve. He didn't say this, but see Frank DeBoer. Um, doubly so when Ben resurfaces with another MLS side that has a competent front office. So that's 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 those thoughts. Um, I, you know, and again, I don't want to call Dave Casper and his ownership group and the front office incompetent. I really don't think that's the case. I think they are smarter than a lot of front offices out there. Uh, there are a lot of bad, bad front offices out there. Uh, look at San Jose. Look at Chicago. Look at New, uh, New England. Uh, there are bad front offices out there. Dave Casper is not a bad – I think he – I think they hedged a little bit too much yeah. on certain players, and the, you, those are mistakes that are going to happen. Um, but I think they've done a great job at finding uh, better talent. Har has been a fantastic signing. Rodriguez is is adjusting still, but he's starting to show uh, a little bit better uh, it, as far as a, being a player. So they're getting some hits in in the signing in the signing department. Um, yep, I, player identification, yes, a, a, a plus lately, and then. Roster management this year will give them a C yeah. for leaving these spots open and having the, having things unfold the way they did. Um, at ca- uh, not at cautious underscore Mastodon on Reddit says, "I thought that TT Hara and Durkin were all misfiring yesterday, uh, but that felt more like they ha- all had a bad day." Side note: uh, nothing. I think Hara is a good uh, barometer for how uh, subjective soccer can be from a viewer's perspective, both in the in the uh, in the stadium and on television. I think people can all see different things because the game is so long and there are so many interactions throughout the day and your mind can't remember all of them. Um, so I just <laughs> wanted to call that out as, as we've seen Hara was the best player and Hara was misfiring. Um, back to the comment. I agree that Acosta does not seem to carry ver- care very much anymore and I find it surprising because he needs to maintain his form to get a transfer to a European club. Maybe his dream is to play in Saudi Arabia, but I doubt it. <laughs> uh Ariel was our best player by far yesterday. I think we need him in the attack, and we just try our luck with whoever we can put in the back line. That's not ideal, but I think on balance, it's better for DC to have Ariel in attack than it is to have him keep tracking back on defense. I'm not an Olsen out person, but leaving two subs until the 85th minute in a game where we needed something is to happen is not ideal. Sultan for Segura made sense, but I think it, I would have swapped Durkin for a defender and moved Ariel up to the attack full time, then brought on Ameriquois in the 75 to 80 minute range. I felt like we had no answer for the tactics New York City used to disrupt our attack. It was like halftime didn't happen. I think that's a that's yeah, a good comment. Um, at Lambo eighty eight says uh, Rooney. I feel like his dip in play is the elephant in the room not being discussed here. He's had an up and down year. The hat trick, the red card, the flu symptoms heading into Colorado. So I don't want to paint him with a broad brush. Still, I think we can all agree he's been inconsistent. Whether or not that has to do with Olsen's tactics, Lucho's distractions, or him starting to feel the effects of age or a full MLS season, it's a worrying sign. Not panic, just concern. Midfield play. A lot of people point to the fact that the teams have simply figured out how to snuff out DC's attack. 
mainly limit space for Rooney and Lucho by clogging the midfield, affecting eliminating the type of buildup that made DC United so dangerous last year. I do think that there's truth to that, and Olsen's inability to address it, either because of his own weaknesses or the lack of depth, is glaring. Still, we have seen a drop-off in play from Canals, and I think the loss of Assad in the offseason isn't discussed enough. Does anyone else miss him? Uh, he was a he was a calming presence in the midfield, not quick but smart and consistent at creating play with others. And Hara hasn't found his form. He's essentially he's great great generally my least favorite player on the field with his wild inconsistency, numerous positioning errors, and constant complaining. Briant takes considerably more abuse than Hara, and I don't think that's justified. So there you go. A little more. Yeah, I I disagree, but there you go. Um, and and. Maybe Assad is. Uh, I think uh, Ryan Kiefer was reporting that he's apparently discussing his future with his club. Um, I think I'm hopeful the club realized what a mistake they made um, because we could have had we could have very well had Assad in there. And Assad would be a guy I would love to sign in the summer. I would love to have him back at this point. Um, he would be, you know, then you got Rodriguez and Assad competing for position, and either one of those could be guys you bring off the bench to make a difference. Um, We'll see. I think that that Assad coming would mean uh, Zoltan's on his way out, and then they look elsewhere um, in other places in the field. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I agree. Bring back Assad. Yep, we all agree. Uh, at Luxurious Links Eleven said, "Hey, love the podcast. Try to listen every week." Again, I have told you if you if you compliment us in a in a post, I will absolutely read that part <laughs> and comment on it. Uh, after the game yesterday, I was going full panic mode and very down on the team. But after some time, I'm a little less negative. I think this stretch has been humbling and exposed some of the flaws in our team. The first being, I just don't think our back line is as good as the rest of our team, and it's probably going to be what holds us back. We're too reliant on Billy to save us when he can't. We're going to lose games. We need to bring in another center back if we hope to compete for trophies. I also think our offensive system is lacking compared to last year. I don't know if Acosta is mentally checked out or if it's teams figuring out how to neutralize us, Wayne being tired, or a sudden drop in quality from the mids, but I'm more concerned that we have been shut out at home more than anything else. I'm usually the first to defend Olsen, but I think this falls on him. He needs to figure out how to get us scoring again, and it certainly isn't by having Segura start as a winger. I also think in-game management has been poor, and subs happen too late. For example, yesterday, for all their flaws, Quincy and Sieber brought life and energy to a team that looked like they were still coming down from celebrating on Saturday. All that said, I'm not in full panic mode. We're still second in the East, assuming Toronto gains points, and I think we can turn it around to maintain this position. I have too many memories of last play seasons to be freaking out. And I'm mostly worried about playoffs and doubt this team's ability to go far without a solid plan and consistent backline. I like all fair comments. I don't have any any real any real issues with what was said there. You're the timekeeper. I've got two more. Uh, we're at thirty, but we're at pretty much at thirty. Uh, I guess we're gonna go. We're gonna blast past just for these two. Yes. Uh, at uh, dazed porpoise ninety seven, Lucho really needs to pass more. I saw it a lot yesterday. This may just be how I think they should play, and I don't want to tell another man how to do his job but he seemed like he is trying way too hard to impress the scouts that may or may not be in the stands. If he keeps trying to take on more of a solo role, I feel like he drops off. See us last year pre-Rooney. Much more focus was put on Lucho, and we didn't really amount to much. Add Rooney, who took the weight out and pressure off his shoulders, and Lucho Rue emerges. Now with the transfer buzz, the spotlight is right back on Lucho, and the bottom falls out again. Basically what I'm saying is that Lucho is a vampire. Uh, he's a fantastic player when the spotlight was off him, but when he gets exposed to light, he crumbles. I think that's good. Um, yeah, I, 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 also, I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah, go, sorry, go ahead. Continue next comment. <laughs> I also feel like we rely too heavily on Canals, and when he's not in his A game or not in the lineup, we kind of have no midfield. We got away with it in Colorado, but against a better team who's seriously underperforming in New York City, we were pressed to the breaking point and we crumble. Luckily, I think this team is just missing an it factor, not necessarily in a player's sense, although depth is a serious problem that I hope the FO deals with this summer, but a jump in our stepway. Last year, we had to fight for a playoff spot, and this year we're kind of cruising in that one seed. I think if we can't find a reason to play in the next few days, a team like a Columbus could kick our teeth then. 
yeah, I, I would say that's a pretty good, uh, that's pretty likely to happen. And uh, speaking of Columbus, uh, I think we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll do our best to kind of preview the game. Unfortunately, um, our guest, uh, AJ Job, who we had on last year, could not make it, so uh, it's going to be John and I uh, giving some thoughts on Columbus. So stick around. Uh, you're listening to our Refugees Podcast, and we'll be back to wrap up the show. Welcome back to RFK Refugees Podcast. We're going to wrap up the show. Uh, John, we got uh, Columbus next week, right? So, we do, uh, but, you know, I feel like I haven't read enough comments. I feel like I need to read one more comment. Uh, I feel like I need to read one comment from the from the edge, from the precipice, from the guy that's hanging on with his, with his fingers uh, off the ledge. Uh, so at Chainsaw Ramon says, uh, we are so effed that the team should fire Olsen and we should start playing younger guys. Pretend Acosta doesn't exist because he won't shortly. That's how effed we are. Apparently, I will look double stupid when someone else hires Olsen because they will be attracted by his awesome record, and he will go on to win while playing boring, predictable soccer. Columbus crew twice in three games. We will be lucky to get a point in the next three games. Ben can play his awesome play for a tie three times and pull it off once. He's super awesome. The only reason we'll make the playoffs is because half the league does predict no home game wins. So I told him, so, okay, cool. All right. So that's the... (laughs) I think that we've we've run the gamut in uh, how people feel about this team now. Yeah, I think that there's a wide range. Some people are, dear God, the sky's falling. Some people are a little more measured. I think we're kind of in between. I think there's some concerning things, uh, but I do not think it is uh, sky's falling uh, type uh, type scenario. Cool. We're um, working on it though. Yeah, I think we're working on it. The roof is the roof is shaking a little bit. Yeah, it is certainly shaking. So it's going to be up to the team to uh, to figure out um, how to fix it, and they get a chance to fix it uh, on Wednesday against uh, Columbus. Oh God, games in Columbus. Uh, as I said earlier, Stephen Chef brought brought a stat. The last time the team won in Columbus uh, was all the way back in 2007. Uh, so it's been over a decade since the team has played and won a game in Columbus. Uh, they've had a couple draws, a couple, you know, gutsy results, but mostly things have been uh, very bad, not good uh, in Columbus. Um, so I, I did watch a little bit of the game against uh, Portland that they lost. Uh, they they play v- a little bit differently. They're a much more direct team uh, than they were when we saw them with Greg Berhalter. Uh, they're not a team that's going to hold the ball, possess, 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 pass, 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 pass. They're going to want to move forward and they're going to want to move quickly. Uh, so they're sort of a very, very different team than they were, um, for better or worse. Uh, and they got uh, some good opportunities to start the game against Portland. And then uh, they gave up a goal off a set piece. So, hey, positive thing. <laughs> they uh, Portland scores a goal off a set piece. They get another quick goal, and it's uh, it was 2 nothing Portland uh, inside like five minutes. Uh, so that's definitely some positive things uh, that considering the game against Colorado. Uh, that being said, uh, they're still a good team and a well a well-coached team. Uh, Caleb Porter is a is a good coach, and he's going to have the team organized. John, are you feeling any signs of positivity heading into this game against Columbus? I'm digging for positivity right now. So yeah, no, I think so. I think this team is still two zero and one on the road. We haven't lost. Yeah, um, which is hilarious. You you wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the season. The no, home, I mean no. the, the home the home wins are kind of boo- booing us a little bit. They're kind of making up for the. Uh, for the bad results uh, uh, at home. And I was saying this earlier, I feel like a lot more MLS teams are dropping points at home. I feel like I'm watching more games and I'm seeing teams that should ab- that would absolutely pace teams at home lose. Uh, Portland beat Columbus at home. 
You have, uh, I'm trying to, I, I mean, uh, TFC nearly lost the game to Minnesota uh, at at home. So, uh, I mean, if it weren't for, you know, the summer, the signing they made that made the difference, uh, you know, we'd be talking about uh, Toronto missing an opportunity. So, uh, I mean, there's some, there's, teams are struggling uh, at home uh, that they haven't had in MLS. And I don't know what, what, if it's an outlier or if there's, there's some reason for it. Uh, I, I'm not sure at this point. I'm almost less inclined to want to play a team that doesn't need the ball right now. I think that the fact that you're saying that this team is more direct and plays fast and a counterattack is probably more of a problem based on the way this team is playing right now. Um, so we'll see how that matchup, that, that change in play style affects. Uh, we're going to get back some of the players this week. Hara is still good. McCann may be healthy uh, to start. I don't, we'll see probably tomorrow who travels. Um, it, I, it's, I don't think it's it's out of line to to, to say that a win is uh, in the cards, that, that it's possible. I think this club has hit a spell. For some reason, they're playing better on the road. Um, so let's let's take advantage of that. I think out of these next two games, again, they've got they've got a game on Wednesday and they've got a game on Saturday. Um, I'd like three points out of these two games. Um, yeah. I think that would be, be my preferred amount. Um you know who knows how it's going to yeah. go they they're on 13 points in the same amount of games um they are well they're scoring about they're scoring less and they're conceding about the same amount well one you know one thing i think about one thing about columbus right now is they have not changed really their their pieces on the on the field yep. uh, they've got the same guys out there that they had against um that they had against uh uh, uh that we have with greg burhalter um and I think they're, I think the, so, you know, Caleb Porter hasn't had an ability to sort of, you know, change the team. They're still very much relying on Federico Higuain. Uh, Pedro Santos is up and down. Um, Giazzi Zardes, I have to look at his goal tally, but uh, Greg Berhalter set that team up to feed the ball for Giazzi for like easy one type tap-ins. Uh, that's not happening. And uh, a lot of people out there are talking, uh, they're a very defensively organized team and uh, that's given DC trouble. Uh, a little bit to break down, uh, but they're not they're not a team that's really going to press like a lot of other teams. So uh, the matchup, I will agree with you, is a little bit better uh, than the matchup we've had uh, against New York and against LAFC. So, uh, but they might change their tactics. Who knows? Uh, who knows? Uh, and you get a battle of of the coaches of the of the comments with Caleb Porter versus Ben Olson. So yeah. <laughs> Porter Porter is now Porter is the exact opposite of Olson, and as far as the way he could. Uh, mm-hmm talks in the media and the way he portrays himself and the way that he comes off as a deep philosophical thinker about the game with system and a philosophy and Ben Olsen for, you know, for all that we've talked about is, is not, is not those things. So something else to (laughs) do, do yourself a favor and read the pregame stuff and postgame stuff between these two managers and contrast the style of how they communicate. Correct. Yes, absolutely. I guess that's all, that's all I really have for the game. Do we want to do predictions for the game? Do we want to, do we want to go down that hole? Uh, so I would say uh, I said I wanted three points out of the next two games. Um, I, I don't necessarily know if it's going to come <laughs> if it's going to come on Wednesday or if it's going to come on Saturday. Uh, I think we could see a win here. I think that I could see a I could see a I could see a two one win. Um, I think that the defense is still not we're still we're not in clean sheet area. I think at the moment just from a systems perspective. Um, uh, but I but I do think that on the road they play with a little less pressure on themselves uh, and they have gotten those results early on. So I think that 
maybe we never see Rooney score another goal from open play in Audi Field, but uh, maybe we can see him score one at Mapfrey. Uh, so Rooney scores and Ariola, who is somehow released into the midfield with the change of uh, personnel, the people getting healthy, and he scores a second goal. And I'll say that Sardis scores like he, you know, is, is want to. I'm going with a uh, one nothing loss. Um, Fair. I, I can see. I can I, totally see that yeah, too. Yeah, totally. I, I just think it's just going to be a tough game for DC. I think they're going to get shut out, um, and then you got to hope that they can put something together uh, against another team that's a, a flawed but better uh, Minnesota United. Uh, so I'll be curious to see what kind of lineup Ben throws out there too. Uh, what players he throws out there. He doesn't have a lot of options. There's a lot of injuries, but I'd be curious to see. I think he holds McCann off until until Minnesota give him an extra day of rest. So that's the one thing I will predict about that. Okay. All right. Uh, well, thank you all so, so much for the comments. Uh, Patreon.com slash RFQRefugees. You want to donate uh, to our to our show? Keep us going. Um, Facebook.com, search Refugees podcast. Twitter.com slash RFQRefugees. Uh, you guys are amazing when it comes to the show. You guys give us great stuff to talk about. Um, definitely help drive our conversation. Uh, literally, literally tonight. Yeah, you guys drove the conversation. <laughs> we, were, we were laying in the back seat, curled up. Yeah, yeah, and you, and you guys brought us out. So uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, rate us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, wherever you can rate us. Uh, rate us. Tell your friends about us. Uh, put up those stickers. We have gotten zero. People keep. People were saying, and I, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to call <laughs> a fan, blast, I'm going to call huh? my fans a little bit. You all were saying, "Oh, I'm going to put one in France. I'm going to put one here." We've gotten a couple. We have gotten a couple, but not enough. So stick those stickers. I I, I risked life and limb to put it up on the flagpole, uh, the the light pole at City Stadium. So you guys can uh, put do a little bit of an effort. So. Uh, do that. Send us pictures uh, of the stickers. And if you need a sticker to send us, send uh, send a request to John, and we'll get those mailed out for you. I think we might need to order some more. We've got some. We're good. We're good. Okay. And, uh, and we had one new uh, new uh, review since we've asked for it. So keep them cool. coming, guys. Keep them coming. And also remember on Patreon, we have got a goal of, I believe, what did I say, 40 people to become patrons Yes. Uh, in order to secure a second weekly show every week. So if you want to see that happen and you've been listening for uh, two years, or almost a year and a half, and have yet to join, uh, there's no dollar requirement. We just ask that you join us uh, as, a, as, a, as a Patreon and keep us making this content, and then we will give you even more. It's a, it's a bargain at half the price. Yep, absolutely. Thank you all again so, so much for listening. Uh, you've been listening to our Career Refugees podcast, and we will uh, catch you all, I don't know, later in the week or next week. We'll, we'll, we'll figure we'll that see. out. It's we'll see. We'll see. It'll be a surprise. Vamos. Vamos. Vamos.